All right, well, it doesn't take long to see um, that, that the perception of Christians isn't always that good. Uh, it doesn't take long to, to recognize that, that when people think of Christianity or people think of Christians, they don't first turn to the things that are great about followers of Jesus. Like, I wish, I wish that when people thought of Christians or Christianity, they, the first thing they thought of, man, they're such loving people. They love better than anybody. They're, they're just loving. And, and Jesus actually at one point said to his disciples, those who were following, if you love one another, if you love one another, people will know that you're a follower of me. And so I, I wish, and sometimes they do, but I just wish that was the first thing they thought of. I, I wish they knew how generous Christians are. That, that how many Christians give not only to a local church, but all kinds of other nonprofits. And they give their time, and they give their energy, and they volunteer in all kinds of different ways. I wish that was one of the first things that they thought of. I wish they thought about how Christians think about the forgotten, the orphan, the widow. And that that would be one of the first things that they think of. Or how much they care about the community, and we care so much about our community. We care about our local schools, and you care about the schools where you send your children. I wish those were the first things they thought of, but we know that it isn't. We know that it isn't. Uh, several years ago, these two guys, David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons, uh, they wrote a book called Unchristian, and they spent a long time surveying 18 to 29-year-olds and what they thought about Christians, which is scary to think about, and uh, they came up with the top six things that non-Christians think about Christians, 18 to 29, what their perceptions are, what their perceptions are, and the number one thing they came back with is that we're hypocritical, that Christians are hypocritical. The second thing is that they were only concerned about converting people, that they didn't really care about relationships. They didn't care about people. All they cared about is if they could get someone to begin to follow Jesus. That was their only goal in relating to somebody, that they were anti-homosexual, that that was one of the perceptions that 18 to 29-year-olds gave of Christians, that Christians are sheltered, they were secluded from the world, they were too political, care too much about politics. And then the last one is that they're judgmental. That they're judgmental. Now, are these perceptions true? I don't know. And I don't even know if it matters. I don't know if it even matters if these perceptions are true or if they're fair or not. Because our perceptions often define our own reality. Your perceptions often define your reality. And so if there's a group of people who perceive that that's how Christians are, then that is their reality. I've told this story years ago, and I think I mainly just told it to our students, but there was this guy named Joshua Bell, and he took a violin, and he took it into the metro station in Washington, D.C., and he began to play this violin in the subway, and, you know, people walked by, no one paid much attention. He played for an hour. He got about $30 in a, in a hat. He sat out. About six people stopped and listened to him, and after an hour, he leaves. No one notices, no one cares, no applause. Everyone just keeps going with, with what they were doing. Now, this is what people didn't know. Joshua Bell is one of the greatest music, musicians in the world. And the violin he was playing was actually a $3.5 million violin. And the night before, Joshua Bell did a sold-out concert where the average ticket was $100. But people perceived him as just another guy. People perceived him as a homeless guy or just a guy trying to make some money, and so no one paid attention. Was their perception true? Absolutely not. But it defined their reality. And so we have to believe and we have to understand 
that the people's realities or the people's perceptions of those who confess to follow Jesus, whether they're true or not, is their reality. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about the idea of being judgmental. So we're in a series, You Make Me Brave, and we've talked about some difficult subjects in this series. Uh, I'm not sure why I had this idea to do this series. Uh, It's been a difficult few weeks just preparing and thinking as we've talked about doubt and personal conflict, and we talked about addiction, and we talked last week about suffering, and man, this week, if you've noticed up in Oregon, the shooting, man, the, the first thing I thought of was just, man, this suffering in our world, this pain in this world, why? Why? And, and so I long for the day where suffering no longer exists, and that people's lives aren't destroyed because of evil. And so this week, we're going to talk about the idea of being judgmental. Now, here's how we can all be brave this morning. Uh, One, we can all take a deep breath and actually hear what Jesus has to say about judging others. Not what you think, not what I think, but what God actually says about judging others. And that some of you will fight against some of the perceptions that you have. Some of you in this room today, if you were asked what you thought about Christians, some of the first things you would say is that they're judgmental. And so I'm hoping that you'll fight against some of those perceptions. And then we'll all take an honest look at our own life. And we'll figure out if this is an area that we need to pay attention to. Do we need to focus on this? And so we're going to look at a story that Jesus uh, tells, a teaching. It's in Matthew 7. If you have a smartphone while we're in here, that's really easy to pull up a Bible. There's a great app called YouVersion. And so you can have that. It'll be on the screen as well or on the boxes, this stuff. Uh, Matthew 7. Now, this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. We don't have a lot of teachings of, of Jesus where he goes into long what we would consider sermons. And so this is one of those. This is where he literally takes some time and he basically preaches to a group of people or he teaches a group of people. And the very first thing he says in Matthew 7, 1 is do not judge. Do not judge. This is actually one of the most often non-Christian quoted scriptures. So a lot of people who would not consider themselves Christians, maybe don't even believe in the Bible, they know this one, right? They will say, don't. Wait, wait, doesn't your Bible, doesn't what Jesus say is do not judge? And, and even as Christians, oftentimes, we, we use that scripture as well, and we don't want people to judge us. And so honestly, I think it's the idea of don't judge me by my job, don't judge me by the actions of my children, don't judge me by my race, don't judge me by my income, don't buy, judge me by my choices or my lifestyle, don't look at me and assume things about me. To judge someone, this word judge or judgment, is really kind of a dirty word. It is. It's not a word that that people want to feel or experience or think about. And it carries with it a lot of things. I think some of the things, reason we struggle with the idea of someone judging us is because we don't want people to think less of us. So when someone's judging us, there's this feeling of, don't think less of me. Don't think I'm a bad person. Don't think you're better than me. Don't write me off. Don't write me off. Don't judge me. There's even a a popular hashtag, and I I know this doesn't connect with everyone, but if you use Twitter or Instagram, uh, there's a popular hashtag called uh, don't judge or don't judge me. And so 1.4 million times don't judge has been used. 2.3 million times don't judge me has been used. And so it'll be something like this, and I'm going to, I'll be honest, I'll use some of my own things. Um, Sometimes when I go grocery shopping, I'll go to the bakery and I'll get a cinnamon roll and eat it while I grocery shop. Don't, don't judge me. 
Uh, this will be news to my wife. She doesn't know this one. Uh, sometimes I'll get fast food and I'll eat it before I get home and I'll throw my trash away in the outside trash can. <laughs> Don't judge me. And sometimes my kids actually eat McDonald's. They do. Don't, don't judge me, okay? We don't want to be judged. And so I think no matter if you call yourself a follower of Jesus or if you don't, we, we know that one. We know that at some point Jesus said, don't judge. And here's some of the reasons I think we judge others. I think we have this superficial judgment of people. That we look, look at someone, we don't know someone, we, we think we know their situation, we perceive something about them, and we judge them. And it's based solely on appearance. James, the half-brother of Jesus, this won't be up there, but in James 2, if you want to look at it later, later uh, he talks about not showing favoritism. And he talks about if a rich man comes into your space and you say, here, here, sit here, this is the greatest place for you. And then a poor man comes in and you set him at the back. He talks about how you've shown favoritism and, and, and be an evil judge of things. And so there's this superficial judgment we make on people that we don't even know. And James would say that it's unfair and that it's evil. Uh, the next one is we have this harsh or unforgiving judgment. Harsh or unforgiving judgment. Sometimes, and this is where I think Jesus is talking about don't judge. And so we have an idea of what it means to be judged. But here's where I think Jesus is saying, do not judge. He's saying, don't condemn people. Don't decide someone else's future. Don't decide someone else's future here on earth or even in heaven. And here's here's the thing, is Jesus is talking to the religious people when he teaches this. And he would have looked over at these Pharisees who were like the religious elite. And he would have looked at them and said, look, don't, don't judge people. Don't don't condemn them. Don't have a harsh or unforgiving judgment. One one of the most popular scriptures that that most people know, and you'll see it at at ball games, is John 3.16. But but I don't know if you know this. Here's what John 3.17 says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is what Jesus is saying not to do. Jesus didn't even come to condemn the world. But, But I know... Because I do it, and I know that many of you do it, even though Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, uh, we find ourselves condemning people because of their choices and their decisions and how they go about their life. And so, if we understand that that God sends Jesus into the world not to condemn the world but to save the world, then, then we should do all that we can to pursue that as well. And then hypocritical, hypocritical judgment. Uh, This was a term that was used in plays or in dramas, and so uh, the original language, the word would have been used for an actor who would literally change faces. So they would have masks that they would wear to fit whatever whatever role they were playing. And so the word hypocrite means, okay, we put different masks on different times, and we might wear a mask that we have everything together, but, but deep down, we don't. And we'll talk more about this one in just a few moments. So we hear say, we hear Jesus say, do not judge, Uh, but there has to be more, right? There has to be more because we understand we all make judgments. So is God saying that every judge, uh, every judgment that you make is, is not okay? And, and I don't think so. Uh, hopefully you're making good judgments. When you make decisions, you, you're making judgments. Teachers make judgments. If you're a teacher, you're making judgments on every time a kid turns in an assignment. You're making a judgment about uh, how they've done. If you're a coach or if you've ever played a sport and you tried out for a team, 
A coach has made judgments. A coach makes judgments on who plays and who doesn't play. We have juries who have to make judgments. And if you've ever forgiven someone, and hopefully you have, but if you've ever forgiven someone, you've had to make a judgment. And the only reason I know that is because you've, you've been wronged. And so you made a judgment and you knew someone has wronged me. And so we've judged them and said they were wrong in what they did. And that's not an unfair judgment. But then we've chosen to forgive. And the only reason we can forgive is because we understand that we've been wronged. And so Jesus has to be saying more than just don't judge anybody. So what is Jesus really saying? Well, on this do not judge, there's a comma. Okay, and so it's really dangerous if we're ever going to take God's scriptures, if we're ever going to take the teachings of Jesus out of context, right? And so this is one of those that people do a lot. Didn't Jesus say not to judge? And then it ends there, but, but Jesus has a lot more to say about it, and so he keeps going. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So do not judge was just the beginning of this conversation. Jesus doesn't say do not judge and then move on to something else. He continues to teach. And you've heard the golden rule. Jesus often said things like this. uh, Treat others how you would like to be treated. Or love one another as you love yourself. And so in this moment, I think Jesus is saying, judge others how you would like to be judged. At the same measure, you're going to judge yourself. Use that to judge other people. This is what amazes me about Christians being judgmental in a, in a negative way, is they're not really applying this to their lives. And I think that we forget one of the most important things about being a Christian, and that's grace. That's grace. <laughs> we forget about God's grace. And, and so Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to judge others, judge others how you want to be judged. And here's one of the main reasons I think we as Christians struggle with being judgmental is because many times we're self-righteous. We're self-righteous. We, we really do think that we're better than others. And, and not just Christians, a lot of people think that, but for some, reasons, for some reason I think that we fall into that category. So we feel like we're better than people or we feel like really what happens is we'll feel like we're not as bad as those people. Like, we have the stuff that we deal with, but it's like, if I can find someone else who struggles with something worse than me, then I'm not that bad. And this happens. Jesus tells a story. It's found in Luke 18, 9 through 14. It says, to some who were confident in their own righteousness, their own goodness, and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. So it wasn't a true story. It's a, a story that Jesus tells. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, the religious leader, and the other, a tax collector, someone who was despised and hated. He was one of the worst of the worst. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance He would not even look up to the heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So get this picture. You have the one who outside does everything right. They're in church all the time. They're generous with their 
money, they fast, so they have this spiritual discipline to their life. And in the moment of presenting himself to God, all he can think of is, at least I'm not like those people. I'm not like those people. He has this air of being self-righteous. And then you have the person who is, again, the worst of the worst. A person who would abuse people, who would take money from people, from his own people. He stands before God and says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, look, the one who humbles himself is the one who's justified before God. Not the one who is proud and arrogant and self-righteous. And so oftentimes we struggle with being judgmental because we are self-righteous. So let's recap. Jesus says, don't judge or you too will be judged. And how you choose to judge others will be how you too will be judged. And so how do you want to be judged? I mean, put this back on yourself. How do you want to be judged? Me, not. Right? I would rather be judged not. But if you are going to judge me, please be merciful. Be merciful. Know me. Know where I've been, know my story, know my past, know everything that's going on in me. Be, be merciful to me as you judge me. My, my kids, uh, the school they go to, they have this program called Leader in Me. And one of the first things, one of the first, there's seven principles, it's based on Stephen Covey's book, uh, if you know who Stephen Covey is. And, and one of the principles they're teaching the kids at McNair Elementary is seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And I'm like, that is it's brilliant. If we could do that as we begin to look at what it looks like to judge others and to judge others rightly, what, what if we did that? What, what if we seek to understand people before we really want to be understood? A pastor's name is Judd uh, Wilhite. He's a pastor in Las Vegas. A pastor in Vegas, Sin City. He has a picture in his office, and it's a picture of Vegas, and he's changed Sin City to Grace City. Listen to what he says. There is someone I love, even though I don't approve of what he does. There's someone I accept, though some of his thoughts and actions revolt me. There's someone I forgive, though he hurts the people I love the most. That person is me. That person is me. There are plenty of things I do that I don't like, but if I can love myself without approving all I do, I can also love others without approving all they do. As that truth has been absorbed into my life, it has changed the way I view others. I can love the high rollers and the hell raisers that populate Vegas. I can love the gamblers, the rebels, the strippers, the students, the soccer moms, no matter what they're currently caught up in. It's not my job to change them or judge them. That's God's job. It is my job to love them and point them to the love of Jesus. He is the one who brings change, and it is a process that takes time. Hopefully you know that. So no matter what a person has done, God's uncensored grace is available. That's scandalous grace. It's uncomfortable grace, isn't it? I mean, we like it for ourselves, but it's uncomfortable at times as we think about other people. And I really believe that the longer you follow Jesus, the greater his grace should be to you. Let me, let me say it again. The longer you follow Jesus, the greater his grace should be for you. We shouldn't forget about God's grace. Like in the moment when we experience God's grace, that amazing grace that we sing about, 
that God would save a wretch like me, when we think about that and the, the way God has forgiven us, like that, we should never forget that. And the longer you walk with Jesus, the more great that grace should be. Sometimes we forget about who we once were. We forget about what God's rescued us from. And so when we look at others, we want to be quick to condemn and to judge. So what else does Jesus say? Verse 3. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? So I think I've done this before, but I think visually it just really helps. And so let me see if I can find a speck of sawdust up here. Yeah, it shouldn't be hard. Okay. I have a little bitty speck of sawdust. You see it? Everybody see it? No. Okay, so Jesus is saying, why are we concerned with that, right, when we have this, right? And so this is, this is how we live life, that with this coming out of our eye, but as we look around, we're concerned about, we're concerned about this. And so Jesus says, why are you so concerned about the speck and the issues and the sin and the problems in your brother's eye when you have this huge massive thing going on in your own life and and I think we do this I think we look at the sawdust in other people's eyes before we want to look at our own is because we don't want to deal with our own stuff I I often don't I don't want to actually look at my own pride I don't want to look at my own anger or my own lust I don't want to look at my greed it's much easier if I can focus on everyone else's issues before actually dealing with my own, it makes me feel better about me. So how can we point out the problems in others, other people's lives if we're not willing to really look at our, our own? Now, here's a way to know if you struggle with that. Um, do, you, do you rejoice when others, other people get what they deserve? Do you rejoice when other people get what they deserve? Oh, that's what they deserve. Have you, have you seen how they live? Have you seen what they've done? They... They're getting what they deserve. Not only do you rejoice, but are you excited and hopeful that they get what they deserve? And then as we think about the subject of hell, and I've seen people talk like this, and, and the idea of that people will one day go there, and it almost feels like it doesn't pain us. No matter who a person is, no matter what lifestyle they live, no matter what their faith background looks like, that should pain us to think about hell. It should pain us. And, and so we have to understand, do, do we rejoice when others have problems? Just this week, uh, I'm driving down Shackleford, and uh, I'm just driving the speed limit. It's 40, and I'm maybe going 39. I'm having a good day, and I'm just driving along. And I, I see this car come up behind me, and I could tell they were in a hurry. And, and so before I could even speed up or do anything, he comes around to the side of me, and he begins to wave frantically at me. He's just waving at me to go. And so, you know, I'm starting to get a little stirred up um, in my, my humanness. And, and so I'm ready to, to say something to him, and we kind of don't get beside each other. And I'm like, the speed limit's 40. I'm going the speed limit. He comes up next to me, and this time he rolls down his window. I don't know if it's this or this, but he rolls down his, uh, his window. And, and this is what he says. He goes, it's not a Sunday drive. And then the car in front of him stops, and he slams. This, this is what I did when it happened. He slams on his brakes. 
and luckily he didn't hit the car, does it? Slams on his brakes, and I'm telling you, everything in me was like, <laughs> that was awesome, right? And I'm at the light, and I look back behind me, and I think he had a bunch of stuff on his dash, because now I can see him bending over, and he's picking up all kinds of stuff, because everything, when he stopped, goes flying everywhere. And in that moment, all honesty, in that moment, I thought, you get what you deserve. You got what you deserve. You're going to be rude. You're going to be mean. That's what you deserve. And that's what I see a lot of us doing in our life. We see people who are living a certain way, and we see things go bad, and we think, that's what you deserve. The choices you're making have led you there, and maybe they have. But we can't rejoice in that. We can't be glad about that. It should hurt us when we, when we see that. Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, he, he planted some churches, and he wrote to a, a church in Rome. And he says this in Romans 2.1. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Whose judgment? God's judgment. We know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man or woman, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? You repenting, you changing the way you think of things and changing your life, I hope has come because you've realized God's kindness towards you. And so for us, as followers of Jesus specifically, that's the lives that we should live. And he's going to tell us in just a moment how to to do this. Verse 5. Verse 5. He says, you hypocrite. He's speaking to the religious people. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus says not to judge people. Don't write people off. Don't condemn people. Um, don't decide what's going to happen in their lives. But here we, we hear him saying something a little different. He's saying that there is a chance where you could actually help someone, that you could actually benefit someone else's life if we are able to do this in the right way. And the right way, as Jesus says, is to deal with your own stuff first. To be able to come to someone humbly, not proud or arrogant or self-righteous, but full of humility, knowing the grace that we've experienced. We then are able to help people. So listen, when you hear God say, or Jesus say, judge not, he's not saying care not. So when you hear someone say, don't judge me, that, that's okay, but, but there is an opportunity that we could care for people, that we could care for people. Judge not doesn't equal mind your own business. Judge not does not equal mind your own business. But judge not means that we must not condemn other people, that we must evaluate our own hearts and our own minds and our own actions when we do attempt to remove the speck in someone else's eye. And then I'll point out something. Just, it, it might be a little subtle, but, but I think it's significant. 
Jesus uses the word brother here. So do not judge, but, but if we're going to remove the speck of sawdust, who are we removing it from? Jesus says, your brother. Now, there, there's two kind of connotations that we could take this in as brother. It could literally mean your brother, your family, the people you're in relationship with. But it also means those who confess to follow Jesus. So Jesus isn't saying, go out in all the world and start pulling the sawdust out of their eyes. Jesus says, if you're going to do this to your brother, those you have relationship with, your family, those who say they follow Jesus, you can do that, but you first have to remove your own. And then I love the visual of it being in someone's eye. Uh, I thought about this this morning. I, I shared last week how Kennedy busted her shin. My daughter busted her shin and had to have stitches. And I was just reminded this morning, I was thinking about a speck, and the word actually for speck probably would have been a small twig or a splinter. And so I was thinking when Kennedy was young, we were at a, a friend's house, and she was crawling around on their deck. And we got home that, that evening, and she had splinters all in her shin. Now, I, I wasn't rough with Kennedy when I went to remove the splinters. I was very careful. I was very careful. I took my time. I was patient. I was loving. So much so, I, I didn't even do it myself. We, we took her to the hospital, right? <laughs> we took her to the hospital where they used medicine, and, and they have the right tools to do it. So, so you don't charge in on someone. We don't go in with the wrong motivation or the wrong tools. But we do it lovingly. Paul, who I said earlier, who writes to a, uh, groups of Christians, he, he writes to a group in Corinth. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 5, 12, 13. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. This is Paul. This isn't my, this isn't what I'm saying. What business is it of mine to judge or condemn those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Paul often was calling out the actions of those who were so-called believers, so-called Christians. So, being judgmental and condemning people, Jesus says don't do it. But Jesus does give very clear explanation of how we can help others, how we can serve our brothers, how we can spur our brothers on, how we can see things in other people's lives that we know are not good for them. And there's an opportunity to pull it out and to help them. But only, only if you've dealt with the things in your own life. And you can see clearly if you've done that. So we can approach people humbly. We can build relationships with people who aren't like us, those were often quick to judge. Listen, just give me, I'll just give you some advice. Uh, the area that the people you find yourself often judging the most, I would ask you if you know anyone in that group. Do you actually know anyone who struggles with those things? So if you automatically judge someone for being poor or being homeless, have you ever had a conversation with someone who is actually homeless? If, if you assume things about a lifestyle someone lives, if you ever had a conversation with someone who lives that lifestyle, whatever it is, if you're a Republican, do you have friends who are Democrats? If you're a Democrat, do you have friends who are Republican? Right? We, and this is what happens. This is what happens. We'll begin to see people as people. 
So we'll remove the plank from our own eye, and then we begin to see people as people. We'll see them in their own brokenness, just like we see our own brokenness, and we can love them well. So real quickly, three things. This could be really, really fast, and hopefully this applies to everyone in here. You'll fit in one of these areas. Uh, that the, the first person that I would, I would want to speak to, and I'll speak to myself, is you're one of those people who find yourself judging others. And we all do it. We all do it. Some of us uh, struggle with it maybe more than others, but, but you judge others. You condemn people without knowing them or even knowing their story. You celebrate others' mistakes. You're quick to point out when people get what they deserve. You're self-righteous. And here's what I know about really self-righteous people is usually we're not as self-aware of it. We're not self-aware of it, but, 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 and I say this with all honesty, I'm not judging you because that's me too. It's me too. And so here's what we have to do. We have to do this, this word that's been here is we have to repent. We have to ask God to forgive us and to change us and that we'll be able to remove the own plank in our own eye. And then we will be able to help the person that has the speck in their eye. The second one, and this is, I think, probably more people struggle with this, uh, you don't want to help your brother get the speck out of their eye because you're afraid of being seen as judgmental. So oftentimes we'll be in relationship with people, we'll have connections, and we'll know that someone's doing something they shouldn't do, and inside we're like, I should probably say something, I should probably do something, but we don't. We don't, and because I think it's this idea, well, I'm not supposed to judge people. You're right, you're not supposed to condemn people. But if you have removed the plank out of your own eye and you can see clearly in your brother's eye, your brother's eye, that means you have probably have a relationship with them, something that's going on in their life, then you can humbly and caring, full of, full of care, go to them and say, I see this in your life and I'm concerned. I care for you. And so for some of you, some of you need to have a hard conversation and you need to ask God to help you have that conversation. And then the third one, is that you've caught yourself saying, don't judge me. Don't judge me. And, and honestly, you, you saying don't judge me say, is, is maybe like saying, don't correct me. Don't point out anything in my life that's not right. We don't like to be judged. We don't like to be corrected. We don't like for those things in our life to be pointed out. But what if it was an opportunity for change, for growth, for our life to look different? And so if that's you, if you're easily offended, um, Listen, listen. If it's your spouse or your kids or a good friend, listen. The recipe to continue doing what you've always done is to get defensive when someone who loves and cares for you corrects you. The recipe to continue doing what you have always done is to be defensive when someone who loves and cares for you corrects you. Look, we can't do this on our own. This series, You Make Me Brave, the you hopefully you've caught is with God's help. With God's help, we can begin to understand what he was saying about judging others. And with God's help, some of you here today would understand this great grace that's available to you. This great grace. You feel like people have been judgmental. You have felt like the church has been judgmental. On behalf of the church, please forgive us. Please forgive us. But know that God loves you so much. He didn't come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. And the world is you and me. You and me. And this grace, this free grace is available to you. And that is a conversation that you have with God and saying, God, I want that grace. I know my mistakes. I know my life is not what it should be. 
I need that grace. I want to follow you. You can be brave. You can be brave in all these areas of your life, and we can do what Jesus has demanded and called for us to do. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for today. The series, thanks for working on me. Um, I, I don't want to just be a person, God, who stands up and, and speaks. Would you help point out the areas in my life where I judge others because of what they do or what they say or what they don't do and what they don't say? God, would you help me first to remove the plank out of my own eye so I can see clearly to actually help other people? Would we all, all of us, God, who call ourselves followers of you, would you help us to be people who give grace away? Would you help us to be uh, quick to give grace and quick to give forgiveness and not to celebrate or rejoice when other people get what they deserve? But God, would you break our heart and would it hurt us when we see that happen to other people? God, you have to do this in us. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hope to see you next week. Bye.